Welcome to the Islands Christian Church Podcast. We're so glad you're listening with us today. You can worship with us in person in Savannah, Georgia, or with our live stream every Sunday at 10 a.m. Take a minute to subscribe to this podcast to hear a new message every Monday. Thanks for listening. Hey, we've been in this series about the healthy church, about vision, about the future of our church here, specifically at Islands, and we've just been you know, I've been sharing my heart with you a little, a little bit about what I believe God's been doing here and what I think he's, uh, you know, I've been here 10 years now. So uh, if you're kind of new to church, in church world, that's a long time for a pastor to stay at a church. And so I just feel like God has done some good things and done amazing things in the past, you know, 40 years of this church's history. In the past 10 years, he's done some amazing things. And I think he's going to do even more amazing things in our next season of ministry. I really believe that some of our best days are ahead of us. And one of the reasons I believe that is because I think that, uh, COVID changed the world. I think it changed the way people see the world. And I think the church now can be a little more honest and be a little more direct. Uh, and, and, and I just, I know that's what's coming across the planet for the church, but specifically across our country and definitely in here in our church. So we've been in this series and what we've been unpacking is this mission, this vision, this values. And last, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about our mission and we said, hey, the mission of our church moving forward is, gonna, is going to be to connect people to Jesus and to each other. So from what we do in adults to all that we do in children's ministry and everything in between, uh, what our missions team does, what we do in serving the community, it's all about connecting uh, people to Jesus and to each other. Like that's our mission. That's our purpose. That's why we exist. And then last week, I started the, the conversation about our vision. And, and I believe that this vision that God gave us uh, is for our next season of ministry, for the next run that we're on. And a vision is simply, if the mission is like why you exist and what your purpose is, vision is simply a picture of a desired future. So if we accomplish our mission, this is what it will look like. And so we're, we're getting to decide like, hey, the desired picture, the, the, the vision, the dream of the future that we want to arrive to at Islands is, is this. We shared this last week. Islands will become a community where people are finding and following Jesus. And we spent a lot of, yeah, you can clap, that's good. We spent a lot of time last week unpacking this idea of loving and of loving others and loving the world and loving each other. But, you know, in the idea of community, and we really spent some time saying, hey, you know, the, the, you know, Jesus's call for us as believers, if we remember the passage we talked about, is that by, by, the, by the way we love each other, the world will know that we are his disciples. And so Jesus is all for us loving the world. He died for the world. We need to love the world. We need to serve the world. But if we despise each other in the process of serving the world, we actually are not going to communicate who Jesus is. Okay, we're just like any other civic group of people that are getting together to do good things. What's supernatural about the church is that it's made up of people who are very different, who have very different backgrounds and very, very different perspectives, and yet they love each other and bear one another's burdens and serve one another despite those barriers of differences. They, they push through them. And so we spent a lot of time uh, looking at that last week, and I'd encourage you to go and listen to that message on the podcast or check it out on YouTube so you can just kind of be up to date with where, what God's doing here in our church. But this week, I wanted to spend some time saying, okay, well, Stephen, that's great. That, that's a good sermon. We ought to love each other. Then the world would know we're a community, and they would come and find and follow Jesus. We ought to do that. But how? 
right? Like it's so much easier to preach it and talk about it than it is to actually unpack how to become that as a church. Like how do we do that? Uh, what are the practical steps that we can take so that, so that in the future at some point we can look around and go, hey, I think we're kind of, remember that sermon like a few years ago about becoming a community where people are finding and following Jesus? I think that's kind of happening. Like I think that's starting to take place. And we can say, oh yeah, we followed those steps. And, and th- these steps are what I believe it's going to take uh, um, to get there. But here's the thing. And if you're new to Christianity, you're new to the church, that's okay because this may help you. So most concepts of religion in our world are totally individualistic, all right? They're totally individual. And so whatever your religion is, and even in, even in our culture, we, we use Christianity in a very individualistic way. We talk about it uh, just like we would talk about any other New Age belief or any other religion. We say things like, you know, um, I have a personal relationship with Jesus, and uh, it really works for me. It helps me. It's helped me overcome my addiction. It's helped me restore my marriage. It's helped me, you know, uh, be a better husband, be a better father. It's helped me be a better employee, whatever. And, and here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with that. You need to hear me clearly. Christianity and following Jesus does have an individual component. It's absolutely true. There's an individual component. But what's dis- distinct about Christianity from a, a lot of world religions and worldviews is that Christianity is also communal. And this is the part that we're not good at. So when you, if you ever read your Bible, especially the New Testament letters, a lot of times you'll see the pronoun you, the, the Apostle Paul or Peter's writing, and he's using the pronoun you. And what we don't realize is every time that's plural for y'all. And so they're writing to a community. It, that's plural, right? That's how, isn't that how we say plural? You, right, y'all. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, thank you, man. I, I just, like, that's plural for you, right, y'all. And so when you read those, and so, but the problem is because the English language doesn't have an obvious plural for you, we read those letters and we read those sentences as if they apply only to me. It's about my individual. And yes, yes, it is, but it's not just that, right? It isn't limited to, limited to your individual. The, the, the faith called Christianity is also communal. And so both of these things work together in Christianity. The individual relationship with Jesus, the individual tracking with Jesus, connecting to Jesus, but also the community made up of individuals like that is part of what Christianity is. And so that we're part of a community of people who have personal relationships with Jesus. And so here's the first thing I want you to hear me say, and really it's the only thing I want to hear you, I want you to hear me say. If we're going to become a community where people are finding and following Jesus, then uh, we each have to take responsibility for our personal relationship with Jesus. Now, I know personal responsibility is, is one of those things we don't like to talk about very much. We, we, we want to outsource our, everything to someone else in our faith. Uh, and, but there is no way for us to become a community of believers where people are finding and following Jesus unless you and I individually are pursuing and growing in a personal relationship with Jesus. It's just that simple. In other words, I can't live as if Christianity is a reference point in my life, like, oh, I'm married, I work at Gulfstream, I have three dogs, and I have two kids and I like to go on long walks on the beach, and oh yeah, and I'm also a Christian. Okay, but does anybody know what I'm talking about? This is kind of how Christianity is viewed in our culture. 
Uh, oh yeah, he's a Christian. They're a Christian. And, but that's not what the, that's not how Bible, the Bible doesn't describe Christianity as a reference point. The Bible describes Christianity as our identity, that we are Christ followers, that we are Jesus people. And until we as a, the church, meaning all of us here, decide that, um, that our desired future is to be a community where people love each other and bear one another's burdens, and then we take care of each other. But to become that type of community, we individually take responsibility to be the type of person who would make up such a community. Can, can I say that again? Because that's going to go over a lot of our heads. In other words, we can all sit around and go, oh, let's be that type of community. Let's be a group of people that love each other and care for one another, that bear one another's burdens. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. But if I don't stop, I have to stop and say, hey, am I being the type of person who would fit into that community? Am I being the type of person? Am I living in a way that I would help make up such a community? Am I making sense at all? And in other words, if there's a hundred of us trying to be a a community of people who uh, love each other, where other people can find and follow Jesus, and only 50 of us are pursuing Christ and walking with Christ and engaging with Christ, then guess what our community's going to struggle? It's going to struggle. And so it takes everybody looking at their lives and saying, hey, am I the type of person, am I becoming the type of person that would be part of such a community if that community is ever going to come to pass? And and everybody should ask that question. Am I willing to become that type of person? A Jesus follower. One who, Christianity is not a reference point. One who, well, yeah, I go to church, I check that box, and I I try to be good to people and hold the door for people. No, no. Where where it, it moves into a place where you know Jesus personally, where you are listening for him and following him and obeying his teachings and aligning your life with him. So here's the simple principle. This will be on the screen. To be a community where people are finding and following Jesus, We must be people who are following Jesus. Super simple, right? Every single one of us. We have to be people who uh, take his words seriously as the guide for our lives. People who see Jesus as their king. People who see Jesus as their leader. And it's really easy to to see Jesus and his teachings as what should lead our lives with the comfortable ones. But when it comes to the hard ones, like loving our enemies and doing good to those who persecute you, right? That's where, that's where, that's where it gets hard, right? That's where it's like, well, er, Jesus even said, everybody can love those who love them, but not everybody can love their enemies. And, and if you're going to love your enemies, it's going to be through the power of knowing Jesus as your Savior. And so what I want to do is look at a quick passage from John chapter 15. And this is a, a so if you have your Bibles or your smartphone or whatever you have, you want to go to John chapter 15, it'll also be on the screen. So John chapter 15 is near the end of Jesus's life. It's, John gives us a lot of the end of Jesus's life. The last week, a big chunk of the gospel of John is the last week of Jesus's life. And so this is one of those things he says near the end of his life. And so when someone's dying, we pay attention to the things they say. I mean, my dad was dying a couple years ago. I remember uh, just sitting with him, and I actually audio recorded a lot of things he was saying because it was things I'd never heard him say before, stories I'd never heard him tell before. And when someone's passing away or someone's getting ready to die, we listen more intently, and we should. And so Jesus is coming close to the cross. He's coming close to the end of his life, and he's saying some things uh, that he wants to make sure his followers are grasping. But he's also, uh, John, the writer, is also making sure he records them for us now so that we have them later. 
So this is John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. These are Jesus' words. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I think it's important when you're looking at this passage to to think about something. Jesus is preparing these men to go out and make followers of Jesus. He's preparing these men to start the movement called Christianity, called the church. Uh, He's not giving them dialogue on how to get saved. Now, that's important. They, what did he, he actually said, he said, you are already clean, verse, verse 3, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And so he said, hey, you're already part of my family. You're already in. If you're going to be fruitful, if you're going to be productive, then you've got to remain connected to me. You've got to remain connected to me. And, and Jesus is saying, if you don't remain connected to me, you won't be fruitful. You'll actually be useless. And we don't like the word useless. It makes us feel bad. But there's no way around it. If I claim to be a branch and I'm not connected to the vine, I cannot produce fruit. Therefore, I am what? Everybody say useless. It hurts to say it. It hurts. I'm useless. And Jesus is telling his disciples and us sitting here today, that if we're going to live the life he's calling us to, a life of loving each other, loving our neighbor, a life of sacrifice and surrender and service to the world. If we're actually going to become people like Jesus and produce the fruit of Jesus in our lives, then we cannot white-knuckle it and be determined to be super religious. How many have tried that? It ain't no fun, is it? Right? (laughs) It doesn't work either. I mean, you you white-knuckle and you be determined to be a I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm going, to, I'm going to do it right this time. And it goes for how long? Two, three weeks, maybe two or three months if you're really committed. And then before long, you're just like, I can't do this Jesus stuff anymore. And some of you have lived that cycle, right? You lived that cycle. And what Jesus is saying is, no, 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 no. It's not about uh, being white knuckled and being determined to try to be like me. It's simply about remaining connected to me. If you just remain connected to me, then by being connected to me, Everything that you need to become, everything that's going to happen in your life for my glory, I will do through you. I will do it through you as the branch stays connected to the vine. Look at verse 4 again. Let me just read verse 4 again. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Stay connected to me, Jesus is saying. Remain in me as I also remain in you. It's interesting that he says, I'm going to remain in you. I'm going to remain. I'm going to keep working. This is why I love the song Goodness of God so much, because if you sing that song, uh, one of the things the enemy does, if, you're, if you're, you're a believer, one of the things the enemy does while you're singing that song is he reminds you of all the times that you felt like God let you down. That's what he does. He comes at you and he says, oh, sure, he's been good to you your whole life. Do you remember when your mom died young? Do you remember when that bad thing happened to this person or that person? Do you remember? Sure, he's been good to you your whole life. But what the enemy doesn't remind you of and what we need to remind ourselves of when we're singing that song is that through all of our darkest seasons, Jesus remained with us. 
And through our darkest times, when we thought we were just going to abandon our faith and just walk away from it all, Jesus kept drawing us into him. He kept saying, come back to me, come back to me, come back to me. And so when, whenever we think, oh man, God, I don't think you've been that good to me. And I look at my story, you've, you've not been that good to me. God says, you don't know your story yet. You don't know your story yet. One day you're going to sit on the plane and you're going to look across your life story and you're going to say, I had no idea how good you were being to me. You just don't have the perspective yet. Man, that was totally free. That came out of nowhere. I don't know who that was for. So um, Jesus in verse four is like, I remain in you. I stay with you. Then he says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It can't do it by itself. So branch, not connected to the vine, can't do it. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now, guys, this is like basic agricultural class 101. If you go and you find a vineyard today and there are vines uh, growing and there's little branches coming off the vines, if you cut the branches from the vine, the branches will be on the ground and they will rot. They will not produce grapes. This is, I mean, if you ever think, oh, I can't read the Bible, it's so complicated. This is super simple. <laughs> this is not complicated. It's super easy. And so what is the goal of a branch staying connected to a vine? What is the goal of that? Growth, fruit, we should say. Specifically, fruit. To bear fruit. This is why the branch is connected to the vine in the first place. So there will be grapes at the end of those branches. And so that the grapes will be produced and the grapes will be uh, harvested and the grapes will be smashed and the grapes will be turned into wine. This is all the analogy that Jesus is using. And so there's no way for that branch to produce those grapes and for those grapes to be harvested and to be smashed and to be turned into wine if that branch does not stay connected to the vine. In other words, what God wants to do in my life, the story he's trying to write in my life for all eternity, bigger than I can imagine, more than I could ever dream of, is all dependent upon me remaining connected to the branch. That's the goal. Jesus uh, is telling his disciples, his students, that the goal of our lives as Christians is not to go out and identify as Christians. That's not, our, that's not the ambition, guys. It's not to be like, you know, on our Facebook or on our Instagram to make sure we identify as a Christian. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with putting that on your Facebook or your Instagram. But does it line up with who you are? Does it actually line up with who you are? Jesus is not saying, hey, it's really important that you identify as a Christian or that you listen to great sermons or you attend a great church. And all those things are great, but it's not the point of following Jesus. The point is not to make sure you attend church 2.5 times a month, even though we love it when you're here. But that's not the point of following Jesus. The point of following Jesus is that our lives will be connected to Him, solidified to Him, and that we, through our connection to Him, would bear fruit. all right, how, what does that mean? What does that mean to remain connected to Jesus? What does that even look like? How do we know? How do we do it? Well, first of all, for some of you in the room, your relationship with Jesus is built on what you're getting, the help you're getting from him right now. Okay? Let me explain. Uh, for some of you, 
you're, you have discovered that coming to church, reading Scripture, worshiping, talking to Jesus really helps you overcome your thing. Makes you better. And let me just tell you, that's okay. That is a great place to start when it comes to following Jesus. I mean, matter of fact, I promise if you went around the room, the giants of faith in this room all started there. They were like, I'm, I'm a terrible dad. I got to figure out a way to be a better dad. And they started bringing their kids to church. It was 1978, you know. And today they're an elder in the church. The reason, the reason their faith progressed is because they didn't stay there. You see what I'm saying? They didn't stay at this place where Jesus was a commodity that they could use uh, for their benefit. They moved. And they moved to a place to where Jesus became um, a king and a friend simultaneously. They moved to a place where Jesus wasn't given to them for their benefit, but that Jesus was benefit enough. That's good, right? He's benefit enough. That's what they discovered, that, that he himself was beautiful and rich, and, 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 and they discovered that their connection to him uh, was worth whatever he would ask of them. He, they, they discovered that. Like whatever he would ask of them, whatever he would cause, uh, call them to give up or to sacrifice or surrender, they discovered that it was a simple and small price to pay for how glorious and beautiful he was in their lives. Some of you are on the edge of your seat going, I could testify to how right he is. And some of you are going, I can't see that. Well, that's the transition from being connected to Jesus for your own benefit and your own fruit to moving to being connected to Jesus for his fruit. That's the transition. So how do we make that transition? What do we do? Well, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not complicated. I always tell people I don't have a secret set of books that preachers get when they graduate from school. I don't. I don't they don't give us a set of books of like, hey, nobody else has this but you preachers. All right, you take this, and we got a special website, but you got to know the password. Do you have the password memorized? We can't give it to you but once. Like, they don't do that, okay? We don't get anything secret. We get no access to anything that you don't have access to. Nothing. There's nothing. I don't present anything to you ever that you can't discover on your own. So, the first thing is you need to know is that if you want this type of connection with Jesus, is that it's possible. It's possible. Uh, you don't have to be uh, in the ministry or a preacher or someone who stands on stage. You don't have to. No, it's possible. It's possible for every single one of you here. No one is, um, no one is invited more than others. Everyone's invited the same to have this connection with Jesus, this relationship with him. But that's the first thing you have to realize is that you're invited. It's possible. But number two, you got to desire it. In other words, you got to be okay with saying, I'm tired of like calling Christianity my reference point. I'm tired of just identifying as a Christian. I think I want to actually see what all this Jesus stuff's about and see if I can actually follow him and if he's actually alive. And if this is all real, I mean, he's been around for like over 2,000 years, so something's going on here. It's, I, I want, like, if you're ready to desire it, I, I, I want this, you got to have that desire. 
If you don't want to, it's okay. Maybe it's just not your time. Keep coming to church. We're glad you're coming. Keep coming. Because eventually Jesus will get you. But keep coming. But you have to have that desire. So you've got to believe it's possible. And then secondly, you have to have the desire. And then um, to, to have this transition happen in your life, I teach this all the time. It's one of my go-to things I teach. You've got to stop trying and you've got to start training. Uh, if I went out today and tried to run a marathon, how do you think it would go? How do y'all think it would go? <laughs> yeah. It would go sideways. It would go bad fast. It would be ugly, okay? It would be bad. I couldn't run a mile right now. And that's hard. To, I used to run like 14, 15 miles. So it's hard for me to say out loud, I can't even run a mile. I can't even run a mile right now. So if I went out and, but what if I tried really hard, Matt? What if I tried really hard? Would it work? It wouldn't work. What if I, well, what if I really believed in myself? What if I really believed? You know what? I can, I can do anything. I can do all things through Jesus who gives me strength. I'm going to go run this marathon. What if I told myself these lies? What if I did this? I would get hurt. I would get hurt. And then you'd have to find somebody to preach next week because I'd be in the hospital. It would be bad. But what if I decided today I'm going to start training to run a marathon? And I downloaded one of those training uh, platforms on my phone, an app, they call them. Sorry, I don't know why I said platform. Um, I downloaded an app on my phone and I started training to run a marathon. What if I started doing that? And then maybe in six, seven months, I don't know how long it takes to run a marathon. It'd probably take me 12 months, but uh, I would eventually be able to what? Run a marathon. Is that because I tried really hard or because I trained really hard? I trained. And we don't equate walking with Christ and being connected to Christ with the same idea, but we're foolish when we don't. Because we have to train our hearts and our minds to see the world differently. We came into the world with a perspective of the world. We were trained by uh, you know, non-believers. We were trained by well-intended believers to see the world only through a materialistic viewpoint and not to realize there's a whole spiritual realm going on. We've been trained to ignore the spiritual realities and only see the material realities. realities. And so our heart and our minds are not trained for spiritual truths. We've got to train them for that. And the older you are, you ready? harder it is. Just like the older, the older you are to run a marathon, the harder it is. It's, so we got we to gotta train. Don't try, train. And so what, how do we train for connection with Jesus? Well, I mean, one of them is so simple. We just spend a little bit of time in Scripture. And I'm not talking about becoming like an expert on the Gospel of John. I just mean dare yourself to read a little bit of it. Just, just, just dare yourself. Say, I'm going to read. My daughter is uh, 13, Claire. She probably spends more time reading the Bible in a week than I do. I hate to even admit that. That girl spends a ton of time reading the Bible. She goes in her little closet. She reads the Bible. She said, Dad, I read Mark. I read John. I read Philippians. I'm reading Proverbs now. She goes, you know, there's a lot of weird stuff in the Bible. <laughs> I said, yeah, you wait till you get in the Old Testament, baby. <laughs> but she made a video, one of these uh, videos that kids put on their social media, only my kids don't have social media. So I don't know who she made it for. I think she made it for some friends that she sent it to. And y'all can't tell her I told you this story. Everybody agree? Because she doesn't know I saw this video. 
And she shared with her friends that she was going to send this video to about how to spend time with Jesus. And she talked about the things she does as she gets ready for bed. And one of them was, I go in my closet and I spend some time reading the Bible. And I have my bullet journal. And I write about things that God's teaching me, that Jesus is teaching me from the Scripture. And then she said, doing this really helps my connection with Jesus. She has significant health challenges. A 13-year-old girl, is, uh, she's dealing with some some skin issues connected to her autoimmune disease. But she has total confidence in the Savior in the midst of her trial. And that's because she's spending time in Scripture with Jesus. So super simple. And everybody I know, I don't have time. Did you watch football yesterday? We all have time. Spend a little time in Scripture. Another one that's super simple to move, make that transition from my connection with Jesus is about my fruit and my benefit to it's about Him and how beautiful He is and His fruit and His benefit. So one is spend time, you know, desire it, know you're invited, Number, uh, spend time in Scripture, but also worship with a body of believers like this. Just come to worship. It, it's not always about the sermon being good or the music being good. It, it, that, that's that old way of thinking where I, I'm connected to Jesus for me. No, it's not about it being good. It's about you rubbing shoulders with other people who are trying to follow, who are training to follow Jesus. Other believers who are training to follow Jesus. You're, you're bumping up against them and you're being reminded it's worth it to keep training. It's like when all the runners meet on Tuesday night. They're not running, but what are they doing? They're reminding each other of why they run and why it's important. It's the same idea. We're just, we're just meeting together as a training group to remind ourselves, hey, this is important. Spend time praying just walk through your life talking to Christ. Just talk to Him. You don't have to overthink this, guys. I'm telling you, if you're, if you're kind of new to faith, if you're not sure how to do this, maybe you're not even a believer here, and you're like, how do you pray? Do I talk to the ceiling? I'm like, what do I do? It's literally, it could just be one sentence. Jesus, will you be present with me today and help me as I try to love my kids or my wife or my husband? It's just that simple. Jesus is chomping at the bit to be present in your life. He loves you that much. So a simple invitation, a one-sentence prayer, he's going to barrel in. So pray. Ask Jesus to, to lead you. Another thing you can do to help this transition happen uh, is serve others. Do something for other people, especially for those who can do nothing for you in return. Uh, we packed meals the other day as a group of us students Momentum Student Ministry went and packed food uh, with the Second Harvest. And uh, I didn't know where the food was going to the end. And someone said, oh, yeah, this is going to the elderly in our community. And I thought, man, we just packed, I don't know, it was probably a 1,000 bags, 1,400 bags. I don't know, it was a crazy amount of bags. And not a person that's going to get that food can do anything for all these young people who gathered to do this. Physically, they could do a lot for me emotionally and spiritually if we knew them. My point is, serve others without expecting anything in return. Serve others without the pat on the back, without being noticed or recognized. Give of yourself 
to people who can never, ever do anything for you. And that could be uh, as simple as doing something at church, like serving in children's ministry or student ministry or hospitality, but also it could be just looking around your neighborhood and say, is there an, is there an older man or woman in my community who's just lonely? Maybe they don't need their grass cut. Maybe they don't need their porch swept. Maybe they just need somebody to come by and say, hey, hello in there. How you doing? You might be surprised what you'd get back, though, if you went in with the attitude that you don't want anything back in a situation like that. But just serve others. Uh, spend time with others. This is a big one. If you want to make this transition, spend time with other Christians talking about Jesus and His Word. Now, that sounds weird, I know, especially if you've never done that before. You're like, oh, I feel stupid. Sure you will. Anytime you start doing something new that you've never done before, guess what you feel? You feel stupid. Like, in other words, if, if, if um, I've never been, uh, oh, I'll just, this is a great example. I've taken Adler to the mountains in October, taken fly fishing. I got a guide and the whole thing. We're going to go fly fishing up in North Carolina. I'm watching this hurricane. Come on, get out of here. And um, we're going up to the mountains. We're going to fly fish. And so I, we, somebody gave us a fly rod and reel for Adler. Super generous of them to do that. And so he went out there and started, he watched a YouTube video and he went out there and man, that kid picked it up like that. He watched a YouTube video, seven minutes. He was like double hauling, like boom, boom. The thing, he was casting like 40 feet. So I was like, I can do this. So I said, show me how to do it. He showed me like what he learned in the video and I'm out there like wrapping the line around my head. The hook almost went in my eye. I'm, I'm like, I'm like hooking the weeds behind me. I'm, I have, I'm totally clueless. I'm, I'm just struggling to even get the, I'm like, why does mine only just kind of fall in front of me? He's like, dad, you got to do this. He's like telling me all about it. But it took me about 10 days or so a week. And I just kept doing what he told me. I kept working. And now, I mean, I can't cast as good as him. I can't hit the spots like he can or hit it as, throw it as far as he can. But now I can actually do it. Now, did my 11-year-old, did I look stupid to my 11-year-old when I first started casting? Yes, I looked like an idiot. He watched a YouTube video. Six minutes later, he was mastering this whole thing. I was trying to learn how to do it for the first time, and I was struggling because whenever you start doing something for the first time that you've never done before, you will look foolish. And if you have enough humility to just embrace that foolishness and you just keep doing it in the midst of that foolishness, guess what will happen eventually? You will be good at it. You will be able to talk about Jesus in an organic and natural way. And the first time you go to some Bible study or some small group and they're sitting around talking about Jesus, you're going to be scared to death. You're going to be like, mm, I, didn't, I don't know if I've even read the Bible to even know. Can I talk about it? I don't know if I'm saying that. But if you break that ice and you start talking about how you've been praying, what Jesus has been doing in your life, or maybe something you heard me say, or something you read in the Bible, the more you do it, the more natural it will become for you. And before you know it, you'll be talking about Jesus as an old friend with friends. You'll be talking about Jesus as an old friend with friends. That's the transition that's yours. You can have that. It's available to you. And so these are some things we can do as a church individually. It takes individual responsibility to do this. And then we can look for evidence in our lives. We can say, hey, is this happening? In other words, is Jesus pr producing fruit in my life? Do I see alignment with his character and his teachings in my life? 
And if you look at your life and you say, you know, I really don't, when I, when I look at the Gospels and I look at Jesus's life, I don't really see much of my life looking like him. Then the, the point isn't that moment to feel bad about yourself or question your salvation or wonder if it's, like the point in that moment is to go, well, how are my disciplines? That's what I just described to you as disciplines. Am I spending time in scripture? Am I spending time praying? Am I spending time with other believers? And if you look at your life and you go, well, my disciplines are terrible. Like I don't ever read the scripture and I don't ever pray and I don't spend time with any other believers. Then we ought not be surprised that our fruit's not present. And we ought not feel bad about ourselves. We ought not say, well, I'm a terrible Christian. I'm horrible. I just don't even know why I go to church anymore. We ought not do that. Instead, we ought to say, well, there's no fruit in my life. I'm clearly not as connected to the branch as I thought I was. So I'm going to start doing some disciplines and being connected with Jesus through scripture and through prayer and through serving and through spending time with other believers. And I'm going to kind of rekindle that connection so that in time, I'll have fruit in my life. So look for the evidence. And if you don't see the evidence of fruit bearing in your life, go back to your disciplines. Guys, this is not complicated. It really just isn't. If there's desire on your part, if there's no desire on your part, if you don't want it, there's no amount of preaching that's going to make you want it. It all starts with desire. So to wrap this up, what we said was we want to become a community where people are finding and following Jesus. And to be that type of community, We believe we have to be able to love one another through barriers that would normally separate us. You guys remember all this? The love that Jesus is calling for you to have for your neighbor is love like he has. The same type of love he has for people. Now, the love that Jesus has for your neighbor, look to your right and to your left right now. Look to your right, look to your left. The love that Jesus has for the person to your right and to your left is Perfect love. Everybody say perfect. Perfect love. But Jesus says, love each other as I have loved you. Well, how did he love you? With a what kind of love? Everybody say perfect. Perfect love. So Jesus says, hey, I've loved you with a perfect love. I want you to love others with a perfect love. So this is the type of community he's calling us into. A group of people who love each other perfectly. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Steve, this is a good sermon to the end, bro. Nobody can love anybody perfectly. I can't, I can't hardly love my kids perfectly. You want me to love somebody in this room with me perfectly? If you feel right now that you cannot love another person perfectly, great. That's exactly where we have to be. We have to be at a place where we can admit readily to the reality that I do not have it within me to love perfectly the people who are around me the closest We can say we love the world and we can say we love the nameless people and the faceless people, but I mean the people that we're rubbing up against and we're rubbing shoulders with that are irritating us and annoying us. If you're thinking, I can never love them perfectly, guess what? You can't. The sooner you admit that, the better off we all are. Because then what we can say is if I'm going to love you through the 
barriers between us, the political barriers, the worldview barriers, the, the background barriers, the personality barriers, the how could you believe that barriers? If I'm going to love you through those barriers, I'm not going to be able to do it by being a branch cut and left on the ground. I'm going to have to do it as being a branch left connected to the vine with the love of Jesus Christ coming through me, pouring out of my being, out of my heart, out of my mind, realigning my worldview, realigning my thoughts, realigning my words to the words and the thoughts of Jesus so that I can and love you like he loves you. That's the only way, man. I'm telling you, it's the only way. It's the only way. By my connection to Jesus that I can love you. And so this is why it's so critical for everyone who, who comes to islands, who says they're part of islands and they are a believer. And if you're still investigating Christianity, man, we're so glad you're here. You're exactly why we have this vision. We want people to find and follow Jesus. But if you're a believer and we're going to become this type of community, if that's going to actually happen, it's going to happen when each of us take personal responsibility for our walk with Christ, engage with him through disciplines like I've described to you, desire it and want it, and have a connection with Jesus so that he loves the world and loves our neighbors through us. Father, thank you for the scriptures and for how... Uh, just beautiful they are. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his call on our lives, each of us. Everyone's invited to this type of relationship with your son, Jesus. No one's left out. No one's not good enough. No one's not, you know, religious enough. No one's not churchy enough. Man, everyone's invited in to have this type of connection with Jesus. So I pray that maybe there'll be somebody for the first time today say, Jesus, I need your help. I know, Father, that your son is chomping at the bit. He's ready to go. Will you just cause that prayer to be prayed today? And then lead us to be this type of church. Help us to become a community where people are finding and following Jesus, a community where we love through barriers and we, we bear one another's burdens. No matter what comes our way, we, we're there. No matter what our differences are, we're there. That we pursue uh, you ruthlessly and that you love through us the people around us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you, friends. Have a blessed day and a wonderful week. We love you.